Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Macquarie. So good to be with you again on this sunny Sunday morning. What a beautiful world, except for our medical people who keep having to work their backsides off. But everyone else is getting super fit with their morning walks and tidying up their houses. Um, so there's a few benefits, but, but it's a lot of challenges, isn't there? Um, but we're good as a church at keeping each other's mental health in check and ringing each other and just doing little things where we can. So God bless you all. Good to be with you. A shout out to John Houston, who was telling me today, you know how he's famous for just developing compost and then he just puts it on the garden and things grow that he didn't even know he had. He said to me today, I woke up the other day and there was a lemon tree. <laughs> Picture this big lemon tree just appeared overnight. But he's wonderful in the garden and he stole his wife's rice colander to make a smoker on his barbie. It took her three days to drain the peas. <laughs> anyway, good to be with you all. Um, I'm starting a little bit of an interesting series called Bad Boys and Bullies of the Bible. I don't know how long it'll go for, but it's probably going to be short, not long. Um, we're starting off today with Pontius Pilate because uh, he's always intrigued me and just the other day I was reading through his stuff and I just found it so interesting and he had some quite redeeming features as well so I, I didn't know what category he was in at first but as I studied a lot of things came to the fore. Um, he was the fifth Roman procurator of Judea which means kind of governor. He was, a, listen to this, uh, by Herbert Lockyer in All the Men of the Bible, he was eventually banished to Vienna, Austria where he committed suicide in 41 AD. That's interesting because the two people that handed Jesus over, um, so that was Judas handed him over, and then Pontius Pilate handed him over, um, both ended up committing suicide, which I thought was just an interesting thing. Um, so this sums up the message. His whole identity ended up summarised and identified by the famously symbolic washing of the hands. Um, when you read the story, the washing of their hands really yells the question at you, <laughs> is he guilty or not guilty? So, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a look. Um, it does seem to me that that was a hypocritical gesture that, that didn't mean really that he was free of any responsibility. Um, so the, the wisdom and the warning in this message for us all is to avoid being hypocritical. Usually, you know, our positive messages are positive things. Sometimes a warning doesn't hurt. So hypocrisy is something to be avoided. Um, just some other little facts. He held office for 12 years, was known to be covetous and quite cruel. He was hated by the Jews and Samaritans that he was trying to please in this, in this part of the Bible. Due to the fear of the crowd, he didn't follow his wife's intuition or his own conviction. He shirked the responsibility to call a shot and make a ruling by using the authority he was given to handle these situations. Um, he even tried to avoid it by sending Jesus to Herod. So Herod was higher up and would make a decision, but Herod just sent him back and said, you decide. He thought it wise, this was his plan, to impose a minor penalty on Jesus to pacify the crowd. However, it backfired and he panicked and had Jesus severely flogged. Then he caved into the crowd and handed him over to be crucified. Um, really, in John 18, you'll find the words that I think probably convict him as guilty. Uh, 
he said to Jesus, I have the power to grant you freedom or to nail you to a tree. So he declares himself with his own words that he's the one in authority and uh, he'll probably be judged before God on that. Um, in the Harmony of the Gospels, which, which is Harmony of the Gospels is where they put all the Gospels, all the events in chronological order and you can kind of read them as they happen and I'll read some to you in a minute. Um, it's just interesting uh, the process he went through, he, he kind of saw the right things, but he just didn't know how to how to lead the crowd because he, he, he was a bit of a crowd pleaser. Uh, it seems uh, for, um, a few teachers were saying he did like his position and he liked the money that the position bought. So his goal really was to hold his position and that was what made him cave into the crowd. Um, uh, so, harmony of the Gospels. First, he tries to get the crowd to make the right judgment. You judge him according to your laws. Then he questions Jesus quite well, uses quite good skills. Then he sends him to Herod. That didn't work. Then he says the right thing. I find no fault in him. He actually makes the right judgment. He's got the right discernment on it. I find no fault in him. But then all of a sudden, it says Jesus was brutally beaten. And then he tries to convince the crowd again. Good on him. He's having a go. He comes back two or three times to try and convince them. Um, then he tries the Barabbas option, and that doesn't work either. And then he has his, finally he has his wife has a dream from God about not harming Jesus, and he ends up having to ignore that because he wants to please the crowd. And eventually it says... He caved in to a riotous crowd, released the guilty Barabbas and handed Jesus the innocent over to be crucified. That's a pretty heavy summary of the things. Just let me read you a few bits of the story. The first part shows him in a bad light. second part shows him in a better light. Um, Luke 23, verses 20 to 25, we'll, we'll have a read. It covers a lot of ground. You can draw some of your own conclusions. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, tried to convince the crowd or tried to convince them it was best to let Jesus go. He asked them, then what do you want me to do with this one you call the king of the Jews? But they cried out over and over, crucify him, crucify him. A third time, Pilate asked the crowd, why? What evil crime has this man committed that I should have him crucified? I haven't found one thing that warrants a death sentence. I will have him flogged severely and then release him. But the people and the high priest shouting like a mob screamed out at the top of their lungs. Pretty heavy that the high priests were doing this, eh? No, crucify him! I was super angry. Crucify him. Finally, their shouts and screams succeeded. When Pilate realized that a riot was about to break out and that it was useless to try to reason with the crowd, take note of that, he sent for a basin of water. After washing his hands in front of the people, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. The responsibility for his death is now yours. And then there's a really heavy statement, and the crowd replied, I wish they hadn't said this, let his blood be on us and on our children. Pilate caved into the crowd, ordered that the will of the people be done because he wanted to please the people. 
Then he released the guilty murderer Barabbas as they had insisted and handed Jesus over to be crucified. You, you don't have to look far to see what the accurate story was. Um, just an interesting leadership thing going on there, hey? And the, the other bit's just short I wanted to read to you because he does kind of do a right thing at the end. It says this, Jesus is on the cross. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is Jesus of Nazareth, king of Israel, the king of all the Jews. And all the soldiers laughed and scoffed at Jesus, saying, hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? But the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, you must change the sign. Don't let it say king of the Jews, but rather that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate responded, what I have written will remain. And we'll come back to that at the end because there's a bit of a key in there. When you do have to stand against a crowd, uh, what do you do? So we'll, we'll look at that at the end. So uh, just four applications from this. The first one, what happens when you examine Christ? Pilate examined Christ, found him not guilty. What happens when something goes wrong for you or someone you love goes through a difficult time or you go through a difficult time? Do you judge God as not caring about you and turn away from him? Because I've heard so many people say to me over the years, well, this person hurt me so I don't go to church anymore or my loved one died so I, I don't believe in God anymore. So they, they judge God as wrong. They find the fault in God not in themselves, and it's supposed to be the other way around. I find no fault in him. Second application, beware of ambition and popularity because the battle, the internal battle here within him is a really, really interesting one, and it, it comes from those two things that he wanted. Number one is ambition, and to be ambitious, he had to be popular, and so that was what he went for. It was these things in Pilate that corrupted his integrity. He shed innocent blood, pleasing the wrong people. The people annoyed him and Jesus amazed him. Yet he honours the people and persecutes Jesus. Um, it's poor integrity and poor integrity creates internal instability. And when you have poor integrity leading to internal instability, that leads to mental health issues. It's not the only reason for mental health issues, so I'm not putting everyone in that basket. But a very common thing for you and I is that where we lack integrity, we suffer and it destabilises us and that, that will affect our mental health. And, and hence, you know, with Judas and Pilate, the end result of their life is suicide. Watch, watch this one. Many people judge others candidly but never judge themselves candidly. When, when they can never admit they're wrong, they eventually crumble because they they're base their life on pride, which is a false foundation that binds us to a crumbling rock which turns to sand. It's interesting for Pilate because in history, um, one of the great tenets of the church, you know, here we are thousands of years later, churches and people in churches still pray the Apostles' Creed as a tenant of faith. And in the Apostles' Creed is the line about Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. It puts the responsibility back onto Pilate. 
just interesting enough. So he didn't get away with it by doing this. The third application, this is going to be the shortest Sunday message in history if we're going well. The third application, the world continually makes classic wrong choices. So don't follow the crowd. The crowd's not always wrong. Sometimes the crowd's right. And in a democracy, that, that can work well. But it seems to me that the crowd is getting it more and more wrong. Um, Lindy Chamberlain, as an example, you know, falsely accused and the crowd jumps on the bandwagon. Um, mm, it's funny because with the crowd in this story, Barabbas becomes a hero and Jesus becomes the villain and yet Jesus is completely and utterly innocent and Barabbas is completely guilty. Pilate asks the right question and draws the wrong conclusion. Um, it, it's just quite interesting how he would have seen himself in the situation. And we had the state president, um, Paul Bartlett, the state president of ACC Churches, um, sharing last night on a district uh, Zoom meeting. It was interesting. He, he just One of the things he addressed with us was how we, all of us, underestimate ourselves. He said, I just want to say to you all, you can do more than what you think you can. You can endure more than you realise you can, and you have a because of God, you have a greater capacity than what you think you have. Um, and we can do more because when you look back on your life with what you're doing now, you, you get a shock at how much more you handle now than what you could before. He talked about becoming state president and how he, you know, when he was a youth pastor, he thought, oh, I could never be a senior pastor. And then he was a senior pastor, and he thought, I could never be a district leader. And then he was a district leader, and he thought, I could never be on the state exec. And when he was on the state exec, he thought, I could never be state president. And one day he said, I realised, I thought, I think I could lead the state if God stepped me up. And it was, you know, it was only probably two years later, he was the state president. Um, so he just, it was interesting to hear him talk about that. And, and you and I, you know, we think in COVID we're at our wits end and we can't handle anymore. Then you watch the news and see what's happening in Afghanistan and people are clinging to the wheels of a plane and fall out of the sky at six or 700 feet as it takes off, how desperate they are. And you think, we, we haven't got any, any problem here. We've got a great life. And you realise you can handle more. It's just funny what will change your perspective sometimes. So, you know, don't, don't draw the wrong conclusion about your own life. All right, the fourth application. Pilots collapse to peer pressure and bullies. Um, I don't really know what to say, but, but I'm, I'm leading to something. Uh, let me just talk as a dad. When you're a young dad, you kind of want to get on with everyone and da, da, da. you don't confront people much and that sort of thing. But you realise when you have a beautiful wife and nice kids, sometimes your kids will get persecuted or, a, you know, a teachers try and we let teachers have ups and downs, but sometimes they get it wrong and you need to go and talk and confront, not give them a hard time, you know, use good manners, but, but share your heart and, and explain about your kids so they understand better. We've only had to do that, you know, once or twice with, with these kids, but you need to do it sometimes. Or what happens if some guy's cracking onto your wife at church? You need to know how to at least say nicely, hey, back off. Sometimes you've got to do that. Adam in the garden, when Satan came in and was seducing Eve into eating the fruit, his role 
was to be the caretaker of the garden. He should have stepped up and confronted the enemy and said, no, don't talk to it, go away. And he didn't. He didn't step up. So not that you have to walk around all tense all the time, but there are just moments as a dad where you have a responsibility to deal with the beast in the garden. Um, and, and so there's stuff going on here like that, and, and Pilate doesn't handle the beast in the garden the right way. So the scripture, you know, I can tell you a few scriptures, but the main one is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So what do I do here, God? Okay, thank you. That's what I'll do. I'll do that. And you step out in faith and you do the action that God tells you to do. When you do that, the Bible says, it's almost like the Bible says God will take care of the other and the enemy flees because he's seen you take a stand and knows he's wasting his time, so he'll go and hassle someone else out. Uh, hassle someone else out. Um, and that was why I wanted to read this bit where he says, what I have written, I have written, or what I have written, I will not change. And that's how you stand up to bullies in the crowd. You don't have to get all aggro and threaten to punch their head in. Um, I've made that mistake a few times. Um, luckily, it's worked, but I'm lucky I haven't had a broken nose a few times. But that's not really the best way to handle it. I think that statement's a better one. It's like saying, what I've written, I've written, or what I've said, I've said, I'm standing on that, buddy. Or what, or this is what I believe. And you just stand on it. You cop some abuse, they might yell at you, but you just stand calmly and firmly. And when you do that, the enemy flees. That's just a really interesting principle. So there's, there's such a big key when Pilate goes, well, I've written, I've written. He kind of finishes on a good note after, after blowing it. Um, and I've just got a couple of other things I want to say, which I only came up with this morning as I just kind of went through it. And I was walking in a, in a park this morning and I kind of got this. It's a bit of it. I've got, have I got time? I've got a few minutes, haven't I? Yeah. Um, so I'd been speaking to an Aboriginal guy a couple of weeks ago and it was just saying an interesting thing to me about creation and I've seen a few of them on TV say it too, how um, they don't come in and just demand dominion and take over. They, they acknowledge um, what's happening in creation. And I noticed today, in every park I went, there was at least one dominant tree and I thought, I'm kind of the intruder on the earth here. So rather than go, oh, I'm human, I'm dominion, I can have you cut down if I want, it's like, thank you for providing shade. Thank you for what you do here. I acknowledge this place. And in a way, I'm asking permission. This is what Aboriginals do. They ask permission to move on that land. And there's this power in acknowledgement with the Aboriginal people. That's why we do the acknowledgement on, on, on Sundays. It's almost like once you acknowledge there's an authority that God's given them, they're very happy to release you to come. They don't, they don't then give you all these hoops to jump through. There's this beautiful thing that acknowledgement in their culture brings about. And sometimes just having a humble attitude and acknowledging helps you move better on the earth. And I was telling him, I've got you know, this certain tree and I don't know where to plant it in the garden. And he said to me, well, don't you take authority go down and sit in the environment of the garden and it'll tell you where to put it. I haven't done it yet, so I'll let you know how I go. But anyway, it's just that humble attitude. So this was the revelation I got because I was thinking about Pilate had dominion in this situation. You know how God's given us dominion? 
But gee, we can get a bit ruthless with dominion. And I thought, really, um, with dominion, stewardship's involved. And with stewardship, servanthood's involved. So it's almost like the lowest humble level is servanthood. The next level up is stewardship. The next level up is dominion. And yet, if you have dominion and you acknowledge that it comes from a higher authority, you handle the dominion much better than if you just think you're the bottom line. That's why no matter what position you hold, everyone on the earth is under some kind of authority and it's really important. And I think sometimes it's better to have an attitude of stewardship even with the dominion you've been given. And that's probably what, what Pilate lacked. It was just a humble attitude that God had given him that position and he needed to handle it well. It was his opportunity to get a good standing before God. Now, when God gives us revelation and privilege, there are opportunities through our life of things where we need to learn to handle it the right way. Sometimes we don't and we need to say sorry and repent and get it right. There's other times if we just have that humble attitude, then we'll tend to handle all those things better, dominion, um, servanthood, and stewardship. That was what I was thinking. So here we go. Pilate at least makes a good final declaration. I don't think it gets him out of the woods, but our trouble is with bad boys and bullies, when we find people like that, we, we sort of try and declare that they're all evil and all bad, every, every bit of them. But it's not true. People, people have strengths and weaknesses, and this was one good thing that came out in him. But I thought it just led me to this to finish with. What is your final declaration concerning Christ? And really, the main aim of the gift of life you've been given by God is to get that declaration right. So where are you at at the moment with what you would declare about Christ and who he is and where your position or place is with him? So you've got a lifetime to figure that out, but um, sometimes the earlier you figure that out, the better. And to come to the place where you, where you can bow the knee to who he is is a really big deal. But, but he gives you time and space and he causes situations to come about that will, that will lead you to having to make some decisions on that. Anyway, I love you, church. I get that life's difficult, that we don't always get it right. Um, but I love it if we can just walk with a humble attitude. Eh? So God bless you. We miss you all. We're hanging out to meet together again. Try and have a good week. God bless you. And Father, take care of our medical people. Give them energy and protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.